Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I have no issue with transgenders. I do have an issue with athletes who are transgender trying to participate, going from a transition of a man to a woman and now playing with the women. And I will say that. Y'all can try and Dave Chappelle me all y'all want. I am very clear on this. You could be a transgender, you're gonna be the homie. But I'll be damned if a male at birth turns into a female and tries to compete against my daughters. She ain't out there. We, we, we out. Don't make this a human rights issue. This is a biological issue. Simple as that. Sounds simple, right? There's Marcellus Wiley, who uh, posted that video on his Twitter account. And now there's more to it. He's the new podcast host of More To It with Marcellus Wiley on the Dan Patrick Podcast Network. And Marcellus joins us now. Marcellus, uh, I mean, that to me is very clear. And Chad and I, at the time we reacted to this, said, hey, this, this seems like a cut and dry issue. I think the vast majority of Americans agree with exactly what you just said. But why did you feel the need to say it? Um, first of all, thanks for having me on. Uh, please tell Clay Travis to not be a stranger. Uh, you could go from seeing someone every single day to never seeing them at all. But uh, <laughs> much love. Um, I get it. Um, I needed to say it because that's who I am. Um, for far too long, I've been living in a world that is drifting away from true dialogue, true conversation. And the way I am and around those who I know and those who I love, we discuss everything. Even in disagreement, we have respect for each other. That's the locker room. And that's why physically I dressed up my set as a locker room. That was the last place that I've been where everyone was brutally honest um, and we pulled no punches and we talked about everything. Then we walked out with a common goal and a shared goal despite our differences. So I needed to say it because it's a conversation everyone's having on their own individual islands, in their own silos, in their group texts, which is more honest than social media, the group text. But then when it comes to national conversation, mass media, et cetera, we all go silent. And I just knew that this was a conversation that needed to be had. Uh, we need to humanize this conversation and re remind ourselves everyone involved is a human being. But respectfully, I will not allow my daughters to go and play against a transgender woman. And there's for many a reasons, like you said, clear cut reasons to me. But I understand there's a disagreement out there. That's why I wanted to dialogue. Yeah, no doubt. And, and I think some want to make it an argument instead of a dialogue and a conversation to turn it into anti-trans instead of pro-biological woman, which is what you were trying to get across. Yeah, it it goes that way. I mean, in any conversation, you know, I could say the Jets are going to win. Oh, you think the Patriots suck? And immediately we turn that into something. So imagine when it's something more sensitive than just who you think is going to win a game. I'm used to that. Um, I think I am one of the people that could stand in the middle of a room and grab all four corners and let's discuss this properly. And this is one of those conversations. I won't run from it. Um, I will change my opinion if I get informed 
knowledge that changes my opinion. Either I learn or unlearn. That's just how I'm built, and that's how I will always approach life. Uh, but at that at same time, I know what I've been presented with in terms of facts. I also know from playing sports and just being a man the differences and why there are classifications and differences between the genders and even between age, between weight, et cetera. I'll give you an example um, just to kind of make it simple for everyone, because a lot of times when you talk from this perspective, it seems like you've chosen a side. Uh, I coach youth football. I have a seven-year-old son who's amazing. He's a beast. I give him that. And we had a four-year-old on our team because the four-year-old and his father wanted to play football and they wanted me to form a pro to coach him. I get it. I didn't want to coach the kid. He's too young. But I said, I will not deny him the opportunity. My son at seven knew not to attack this kid, knew not to play too rough with this kid, play too hard with this kid because this kid wasn't ready for this. Well, being a former professional athlete against men, no matter what transformations you say that you untake, um, no matter what you say that you have gone through, you don't change the entirety of your body. So this is not an identity conversation because I have full respect, 100% respect for transgender and identity. You could be a woman, you could be a man. But when it comes to the body, I know that they won't transform every single part of the body composition. Therefore, there will be advantages. Therefore, I had to make that stance. Yeah, and I know uh, Jamel Hill came after you a little bit and, and some others. And what I hate about this, Marcel, first off, I love that you said it. I love the way that you said it. I agree with it. But even if I disagreed with you, I would respect your right to say it. And then I could disagree with you. I hate how we automatically have to label someone something because they side with one particular side of an issue. And I think Jamel Hill and there are others that, that go down this path of, well, don't do that because then you're on this group, right? You're in this half of America and we're all divided in America. So even if I were to agree with this point on another side, I can't say it because then I'm identified as that half. And I wish we could get back to individuals having their own opinions thinking them through and having different opinions on different issues without having to be labeled one thing or another. So I respect you for saying that, even if it does get some blowback from Jamel Hill and, and others. Yeah. I mean, you know, first of all, Jamel Hill is a friend and we disagree mightily on certain topics and obviously we're friends. So we agree on a lot of things as well. Um, I wouldn't let that deter you. I wouldn't let that deter anyone. Um, Let's just start off with me being a former professional football player. There are only two responses we get. Um, the third one you don't want, and if it happens, you're not in the league long. You either get cheers or booze. If you get apathy, uh, if they don't care about you, if coach doesn't care, if people don't support you and cheer you, or they say boo and we're trying to dis dissuade you, then you're in a bad position. So I'm never the one who sees adversity or sees difference as the ultimate of bad. I think that's the part of the conversation. Part of my understanding of this conversation, this issue, has come from opposition rounding out my opinion. So you have to be ready to engage with others, no matter who you are, so that you can fully form your opinion. I'm not deterred by that. What I am deterred by is when we start to label people, when we start to all of a sudden turn it into you're against. 
And Jamel actually brought up a tremendous point that I didn't even think of before I hit send, which was some people are actually hating transgenders. Therefore, they're going to act like they are loving women's rights and women's participation in sports, which is an interesting conversation. How many people purely are against this because they realize that this is just not right and fair or are they really trying to do it in disguise because they really have a deeper issue? Interesting point. But for me, it's not. My daughter went to Glastonbury High School. And if people Google that in 2017, they dealt with this exact issue. Now, uh, I looked at that from that vantage point and said, I didn't want my daughter to be in anything that wasn't level in terms of opportunity and a playing field. I believe in the meritocracy of sports. I realized through my participation as well that that is being undermined. That's being stripped away. But it's supposed to be merit-based. And it's also based on classifications by age when you're younger, by weight when you're younger, by gender the entire process unless you're at a younger youth level. So the point is, let's just keep those strict, bold lines and classifications in place. Why? Because they've been well thought through, because the biology supports it, and it's the best thing to do in terms of fairness and opportunity. If not, we're going to have issues as we're starting to see percolate all throughout our country. Like I, I have two daughters, so I've, I've started to think about issues like this and you know how we would handle that as parents. If this came up, and while I, I agree with everything you're saying on this, the one, the one difficult thing that I, I have with this is, and there's an example right now with a Christian school basketball team that the Christian school would not allow them to play against transgender athletes, even though whatever district they're in would allow it, so it ended their season. So if my daughter came to me and played her entire life playing basketball, let's say, and it's her senior year and she's got one game left, and I'm saying, you're not playing against the transgender athletes on the other team, but she's saying, Dad, I've worked forever to get here, and this is the regional playoff or whatever it may be, and I really want to play in this game. How I would handle that, I don't know the answer to that. But if, if your daughter came to you and said, Dad, I, I re- I've competed hard to get here. I really want to give this a go and play in this event, whatever it is, game, whatever it may be, wh- what would your response be? Oh, my response would be in support of what she wanted. Um, It's the same thing I face all the time when people ask me, is my son going to be allowed to play tackle football? What if he made it to a a college, high school level? Would you allow him to play tackle football? And I always say, we're going to have a conversation. It'll probably be three hours long at his favorite restaurant. And I would tell him the highs and lows of that experience from my perspective. And if he still wants to do it, I'm always going to co-sign his greatest passions and his endeavors. So you would have to defer to her in that in that moment. What I did was told my perspective towards what I would do with my youngest two daughters, because my oldest already endured this. Now, my youngest two daughters have not just yet. What is daddy suggesting? Exactly what I said in the video. What are they suggesting? They're too young to have that conversation just yet. But I will always be open-minded and open to whatever they desire because they're the ones putting in the work ultimately, and they're the ones trying to serve out their greater passions. That said, also, let's just make sure that we keep this granular as much as it's a global conversation. When it's granular, you have to start to realize what sport are we talking about? There's a global fairness 
Like, it's not fair that someone can potentially set records, rewrite the record book, take away opportunities, scholarships, et cetera. But then there's also a biological conversation of, are we talking mixed martial arts? We've already seen what this happened in mixed martial arts. Are we talking something that is a combat sport? Are we talking about, hey, they're running track. She's going to leave your daughter. She may lose to a transgender woman. Fine. But physically, she can survive those moments because it's not a man transitioning to a woman. Is it a safety issue, basically, is what you're asking, depending on the sport? You know, there's the example of Leah Thomas in swimming. Well, no one's in physical danger. Leah Thomas is just taking down the record books. Right, so that's not fair to the other competitors. But in a basketball game, in a softball game, in mixed martial arts, it's different. So you're talking about the safety end of it. Yeah, that's why this is something to be discussed. I don't want to be the poster man of transgender conversations, but I will always offer my slice of opinion. And at that, if you look at it, opportunities are going to be lost because. If you're saying there's a fairness conversation, scholarships will go to a transgender woman over a natural born woman, right? There's going to be the the fact that there is a safety issue in certain sports more than others. There's also going to be a fairness conversation, right? And the reason why this is now bubbling as an issue and we really don't see an end and solve in sight is because we're not really having the conversation openly and respectfully. So People have come back at me and disagreed, and some have come back at hate with hate speech, which is amazing to me when you say something like I say, and I'm not saying I'm anti-anything, people will always return fire like they thought that you were trying to burn them, and I wasn't. I just said in my household, this is the way that I'm going to legislate this. That could be overturned by my kids and their desires and those circumstances. But until that point, This is my stance. I think a large percentage of this world agrees with that stance, but maybe an even larger percentage of this world is scared to say that exact point. Marcellus Wiley, our guest, the host of More To It on the Dan Patrick Podcast Network. Marcellus, behind you've got the sign Compton to Columbia. Which location has impacted who you are more, Compton or Columbia? Wow. Wow. I've been in media for almost 30 years, and I don't think I've had a harder question. More? Oh, wow. Um, I will say this, because typically my response is the journey from Compton to the Columbia and then from Columbia to the NFL were equally the same distance. Like, what? It just felt that way. Um, I would have to say Compton. Why? Because Compton gave me the experience of living through adversity, Uh, the experience of knowing that there's going to be ills around you. There's going to be circumstances that are going to be harmful for you and your greatest ambitions. I learned that the hard way. Um, But that experience also makes me look at any opponent, anything of adversity as something that's just a challenge that can be overcome. And I look at life that way. But Columbia gave me like the realization of my aspiration. Like it it told me that dreams can become reality. It was amazing being in classrooms with people who were academically challenging themselves, like typically where I'm from, people athletically challenged themselves. They were competitive in the classroom. Uh, They really believed in themselves. They knew that there were many ways up the mountain, not just sports, not just entertainment. 
and they really believed they were going to be successful. That was great. But I imagined that before I even got to Columbia. That's why I chose Columbia. But you you can't imagine Compton. Like, you had to go through Compton. And I'm Compton pre-NWA, before the movies, before the songs, before it became something that was socialized and glamorized. I really went through those hardships. So that experience, I hold on to keenly. And that's why I can look at any situation like this one, talking about transgenders, et cetera. And I remind myself, I've been on both sides of the fence. I've been on both sides of a conversation. I will always have respect and reach out for someone who is different than me. Is that, is that where you got your nickname, Dat Dude, which has followed you through your career? Or is that uh, post-Compton? No, that happened in San Diego with the Chargers. Uh, long story short, teammates, they kept saying, man, you're that dude. And there was a rapper at the time, Devin the Dude, who was one of my favorite rappers. They tried to make a play of words on it. But basically, that dude is... The old lady who goes to the game with her husband and she's like, baby, baby, who's that dude down there running around making all those plays? Or they said it was the girl at the bar at the club who was like, oh, girl, who's that dude that just walked in? So they basically said I'm everywhere doing everything. So they were like, you're that dude. And I took it because I love it. Marcellus Wiley has been our guest. Now, hey, final thing. Authenticity means a lot to you. That's why you're now with the podcast, doing the podcast you're doing. Same reason we're here with, with OutKick. Where, what are you allowed to do, or uh, I guess anything you would like to do, versus the structure and hierarchy you were under uh, at previous stops? Yeah, uh, I've always been a guy who talked sports, but it was really a, a guys for life conversations. Um, I never liked third and goal conversations. My first job was NFL Network. Then I'm at ESPN. I'm on NFL Live. And to just be honest, I didn't love doing those jobs. Why? Because I didn't love like the mundane detail of a goal line play. What I love was the players. What I love was the person that became the player when he put his helmet on. What I love was the emotional content of those moments. What I love was what fans couldn't understand and what I was blessed to translate to them. So I always looked at our typical sports programming, like one, we're talking a lot of Cowboys, now a lot of LeBron, and kind of like the same topics recycled. But two, we didn't go deep enough. And when we went deep, that was flexing my muscles, but not necessarily according to the business model. So I understood that there was going to be a time and place where we were going to come to head. And I wanted to go deeper. I wanted to go wider. And I think they want to stick to what works. Duh. So instead of bastardizing and instead of talking bad about it, instead of just like trying to drive it into the ground, I realized that my time it, it came. Um, if I could do it the way I wanted to do it and really follow my greatest passions, that I'd be more successful and I will have more fun doing it. And so far, so great. It's been amazing because I still talk in general those topics, but I'm able to go into tangents and go and annex it and really bring on next level conversations off the same topic. So that's the most fun I've had in this industry since I first got into it and my eyes were big and obviously I didn't know what I was doing, but 
Now I'm in a great place, man, and you have to be authentic. That's the only freedom you really have in this world. That's why I challenge everyone to speak your mind. And yes, there's going to be opposing headwinds, but continue to respectfully speak your mind. Because if not, you get boxed in. We know how this world is turning. We know how PC is becoming. You just got to go along and say what everyone wants to hear in pleasantries. That's not enlightening and that's not empowering. That's why I won't be one of those who do that. If you uh, put that video about transgender athletes out while working at ESPN, would you have been called into a meeting shortly after that? I mean, that's a huge hypothetical. Uh, I had controversial takes when I was at ESPN. What I will say is um, when the backdrop of you is already assumed to be one way. So at ESPN, everyone assumed liberal. At Fox, everyone assumed conservative, right? So – if you say something conservative at ESPN, which I did before, no one really noticed because they were like, ah, it just blended in with all the other liberal talk. But when I said something conservative at Fox, they were like, see, that's who he is. That's why he's there. That's what it is. And it's almost like the hammer doubles down. Uh, so I think context matters. I think co-host matters. I took a lot of collateral damage and hits from my co-hosts and their opinions. And vice versa. So you're in that team dynamic where it's not just what you say, it's who are you around saying it, and then where are you saying it? What I love about the podcast is I don't have to hear any of that. (laughs) You got to listen to exactly what I said. Imagine, I will say this to your question. This is the point. If I would have had that same take on a network show at ESPN, the problem wouldn't have been ESPN is that I will be with other co-hosts who now are being brand conscious. And maybe they are being PC. Maybe they will pander. Or maybe they will speak their mind and we can have an open dialogue. But the point is, a lot of variables at play. So you don't get the pure intent and the pure perspective of my content in those places. But here, you do. You can hear every word, every syllable, every breath I take, and you know where I'm coming from. More to it with Marcellus Wiley is the podcast to check out. Marcellus, uh, great visit, man, and we appreciate the time today. Yeah, keep up the great work. Thank you. All right, guys. Keep it going, man. Appreciate you. Yeah, man. Thank you. Good to have you. Marcellus Wiley there. Twitter handle's easy, just his name. And again, more to it with Marcellus Wiley. You can check that out on the Dan Patrick Podcast Network. Stay tuned. More coming here on the Outkick Network. This is Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh, thanks to Marcellus Wiley for joining us. Outkick 360 rolls on. Coming up in an hour, Clay Travis will be with us. Right now, the very latest on the Jalen Carter situation. Two misdemeanor warrants issued today out of Athens for one of the top players in the NFL draft, Jalen Carter out of Georgia, stemming from racing. And Chad, this 
this goes back to the January 15th crash that took the life of a, a former teammate of Carter's and a staff member at Georgia as well. With the latest, Mike Griffith joins us from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and Dog Nation. Mike, thank you for the time. Hope things are well. Yeah, it's obviously been a busy day. I mean, it uh, started with Nolan Smith uh, shedding tears for the teammate you referenced, Devin Willick, uh, killed in that tragic accident, along with Chandler LaCroix, uh, the young lady that worked in the recruiting department, uh, the driver also killed, uh, tragic accident. And as more details come out, uh, you know, more sadness and, and, and disappointment uh, in the Georgia football fan base, for sure. AJC has been on top of it with further details diving into where Carter was versus what he told the officer originally. The changing storyline to me is the, the question that needs to be asked as to why he originally said he was a mile away and heard the crash and then later uh, said that he was actually side by side with the vehicle that crashed. Yeah, I'll tell you, the AJC investigative team has is, is done a very thorough uh, investigation. And to be honest with you guys, it wasn't real popular uh, as they delved into the details and, and pushed for more information. And, you know, we're, we're in a society now, and I've said this before, where, you know, the, the Burger King generation, everybody kind of wants the news delivered their way. And fan bases don't want to hear negative things. And sometimes the media becomes targets as they try to investigate and learn details that maybe aren't favorable. Uh, but when these sort of details come out, um, there is a level of accountability that might not be there otherwise. And, and certainly what the AJC's done in their investigation, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, uh, their investigative team, uh, Chip Towers as well, uh, the work that they've done diligently uh, has shed light on this. And as sad as it is, um, you know, there will be a level of accountability that, that you know, I, I think will moving forward. Other programs around the country uh, will have to open their eyes. I, and, and not to necessarily the, the details of, you know, being out late. We know that's a bad thing. We, we saw the toxicology reports of the young lady. Obviously, that, that was uh, also very uh, disappointing, uh, twice, more than twice the legal, legal limit uh, in terms of being uh, intoxicated. Very disappointing. Uh, but the type of car, this, this is where I want to, I'm going to take it here. And, and maybe I shouldn't, maybe it's not fair, but, you know, Jalen Carter is driving uh, a Jeep Trailhawk. This is a car that's capable of going 180 miles per hour, uh, zero to 60 in three seconds as part of an NIL deal. Now, listen, I understand NIL and I understand the students' rights to capitalize and take advantage off of their name, image, and likeness. And certainly, um, you know, that was long overdue. The NCAA leadership dropped the ball on that. But instead of maybe pursuing uh, two female basketball players at Miami making money, uh, maybe they need to look a little bit closer at uh, some of these NIL dealings and, and try to provide some sort of structure and, and educate. Because to me, the NCAA is far, far behind. And these programs uh, are also far behind in managing many of these unintended consequences. Guys, Jalen Carter was pulled over in September going over 80 miles an hour and 45 and was issued a citation. And when media reports that, they get shouted down and canceled. It's a kid. It's making a mistake. Listen, that was a red flag then. Why wasn't it dealt with more seriously then? Could that have prevented what, you know, Carter being arrested? Uh, and now on the day of his dreams, 
the day that he's supposed to show up for an NFL interview and start to realize his lifetime dreams, all the hard work, an arrest warrant is issued back in Georgia, and he could not meet with the media. This is a terrible public stage of embarrassment for Georgia football today. And, and well said, Mike. And I'm not trying to insinuate that all of Georgia football is turning the streets of Athens into Fast and Furious or anything. But if I see something like this, I don't think, boy, this is the first time that guys have raced, especially given the citation that you mentioned with Jalen Carter before. Um, we've been dealing with the Brandon Miller fallout and, and how Nate Oates and Alabama mishandled this. Obviously, Jalen Carter's not under Kirby Smart's purview right now. But he did release a statement about how they're going to look into this and you know take everything seriously. Knowing Kirby Smart, do you feel like he is going to take this seriously and look into it and make sure, hey, this isn't something that's going on with other players where they're out racing each other on the streets and doing something dangerous like this? Yeah, well, what needs to happen and, and what will happen, just based on my history with Kirby, I remember uh, a few springs ago, uh, there were six players arrested in six weeks. Now the offenses were, you know, uh, not you know not answering to a park ticket. Not, certainly nothing of this level. Nothing of this. Uh, certainly not nothing of this tragic nature. But six arrests in, in six weeks put Kirby uh, just just over the top that particular spring. And and he had some of the guys running stairs. You know, this this is like what 1950s punishment. He had guys running stairs in front of a, a group of boosters that were there to watch a scrimmage, which is about as much public humiliation as I think any young people could stand in today's day and age. So when Kirby makes his mind up that something's going to end, it's going to end. I mean, listen, Kirby Smart, the thing that everyone I think probably understands, all you got to do is look at the Coach of the Year awards. Listen, I'm not here to tell you, I've been covering college football 30 years. And Kirby Smart did one of the most masterful jobs building a program in history. The fact that he was able to win back-to-back games in an era where there's a four-team playoff is, is not going to be it's not going to be repeated anytime soon. The difficulty is is just remarkably uh, hard. Uh, but Kirby's not out here to make friends, and you saw that he didn't win many Coach of the Year awards. I can't think of one that he won, uh, even though he was probably very deserving. But it's because of that nature. It's because Kirby's not out there. To, to, to make friends with the media or try to win people over. I will say this, though. He's got a passion and a love for Georgia as a Georgia graduate himself that he recognizes the black eye that this program has been dealt by these recent events. And it doesn't stop with Jalen Carter. Stetson Bennett getting arrested was humiliating. And the details came out on that today as well on dognation.com. Javon Bullard was the defensive MVP. Earlier in the season, he missed a game on a kind of a DUI. These are leaders. These are kids atop the program. Kirby Smart is no fool. He realizes that the direction must change if Georgia has any shot at a repeat. The biggest hurdle is not going to be some new offensive coordinator. It's going to be accountability and knocking down this sense of entitlement that's crept into the program. Mike Griffith with us, Dog Nation reporter. Um, So... What's the most surprising detail that came out about Stetson Bennett to you? Was it just banging on doors and claiming he didn't have a cell phone or the fact that he, we discussed this, he didn't go to the senior bowl to meet with teams in the same week he's, you know, charged with public intoxication in Dallas. Yeah. You know, just putting himself in that situation, being alone at that time of night in a city of that size. I don't know all the details guys. I, I, I can't think of any good circumstances that would put, 
someone alone in a neighborhood at that time, uh, knocking on doors without a cell phone. I, I can't think of a good scenario to say, well, that explains it. But uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, Stetson struck me as, uh, you know, even in the postseason uh, celebration when he when he said, you know, to DJ Shockley, one of the one of the Georgia greats who actually had paid Stetson a compliment, calling him the greatest of all time. And and DJ gave him a chance to thank the crowd. And Stetson instead said, you know, you, you know, y'all burned us. You you doubted us. You know, DJ now a member of the media and, and turned to the crowd and said people doubted us and nobody believed. And and it just wasn't. The, the kind of speech that you would expect, you would expect someone to say, I just want to thank the fans and I want to thank my teammates and I want to thank my coaches. And, and instead he, he said uh, it was the Jimmy's and the Joe's, you know, not the X's and the O's. It was just the opposite. And I thought, you know, where is, where is all this anger uh, coming from? Because Stetson Bennett uh, was celebrated like few other quarterbacks, guys, the media really propped Stetson up. Uh, you know, there's a Heisman trophy vote in, I think there's over 900 people that vote and most of them, almost all of them are media members. So the media wasn't down on Stetson. Uh, the media made him a Heisman Trophy finalist. He wasn't even first team all SEC, according to the coaches. So the anger was misplaced. Uh, it's part of who Stetson is. Listen, he's a resilient guy. He's a guy that stays motivated. And it's almost as if Stetson wanted to put himself back in this underdog role. Because guess what? He's an underdog now. NFL teams don't want to draft a backup quarterback that's going to have any sort of off-field issues or attitude problems. The Stetson Bennett that shows up here on Friday is going to be, and I believe this, I could be wrong, but I believe it's going to be a different guy than the one that got arrested in Dallas. If that's not a wake-up call, I don't know what is. Well, it better be. And we had the director of the Senior Bowl on, Mike, and and he said yeah. a lot of what you're saying now, that the biggest question and the, the reason they're disappointed that he wasn't there was so many teams want to know if Stetson Bennett can be a great backup quarterback in the NFL. Can you do the things necessary to play for a long time but be a backup, be a good teammate, show up, have some humility, help out the starter? He said that's the biggest question mark around him. And the fact that he blows off the senior bowl and goes to Dallas and gets arrested, I don't think helped his case. I also don't think it helps his case in the, the details of that arrest that he hid from the cops and had to be cuffed because he hid from the cops when he first saw them uh, when they pulled up. Also not a great detail for him. Yeah, not, not the accountability that, that most Georgia players have. And you're right, Jim Nagy, the executive director of the senior bowl, a former Super Bowl scout with the Patriots. and the, Jim knows the game. Jim understands. Stetson was in Texas training. That's why he was there uh, going to a, a quarterback. And, and, and who knows? Uh, you know, I don't want to second guess it too much because from a strategic standpoint, let's be honest. We don't know how Stetson Bennett would have looked standing side by side throwing against some of these other quarterbacks. Uh, he wasn't the most consistent guy with his accuracy. He was very timely and very clutch. Uh, certainly the mobility was amazing. A lot of his magic happened at the line of scrimmage before the snap. Uh, very good football IQ, able to put his team in the right play. But side-by-side -side in quarterback drills, I'm not sure that's his strength. I believe that was a, a calculated absence. I don't think it was uh, the attitude that, oh, I don't have anything else to prove. I think Stetson knows his strengths and weaknesses. I think that his agents know that as well. So I'm not as down on that. Uh, but, but I do want to turn the page just for a little sidebar because not all is, is negative. As tough a day as this was, for Georgia football. You know, one of the people who was there 
at the Senior Bowl performing was Warren McClendon. Now, more details have come out from the AJC about this accident with the Ford Expedition and hitting the, the brick building. And I actually went to the crash site. Uh, and, and let me tell you, it was uh, very morbid. Uh, there were still auto parts. I, For some reason, I thought when there was a crash that the police cleaned up or someone was there to take all these parts away. They weren't. Fenders and rear view mirrors and, and items from within the car and, and lighters and just things like that. And you're just thinking, oh, my, you know, my gosh, you know, you could, you know, there were blood. It was just it was an absolutely morbid scene five days after. Uh, and, and the reason this vehicle is believed to have hit the wall uh, over 80 miles per hour, according to the report, the speedometer was broken over 80 miles per hour. Warren McClendon was sitting in the front seat of that vehicle that hit the brick wall at 80 miles an hour. Less than three weeks later, he was out there at the Senior Bowl taking snaps. Not only that, he was standing in front of the media answering questions accountable for that night. Not anyone. He was the first Georgia figure. Warren McClendon, who was in the passenger seat, was the first Georgia person to answer questions about this in a pub. And I'm not talking about issued statements. You guys are in the media. We know what issued statements means. That's garbage. That's not accountable. That's chicken. You know what? Okay. But Warren McClendon's down there as a grown man. That's not going to allow this wreck to get between him and his dream. And there he is. You see the interview. Now, some people bash the media. How could you ask him about that? Well, let me tell you what happened. Warren McClendon, DJ Shockley was there, as well as Zach Klein from WSB2. And these professionals asked Warren in advance, do you want to do this interview? Warren wanted to do the interview. This kid's smart. He knew he was going to be asked about this by all the NFL teams that were there in Mobile. He knew that he'd be requested every day. So on the very first day, he did that interview and answered those questions, got it out of the way, and he's kept his head down. He's been working. He's here at the Combine now. I believe he's a walking miracle. And uh, th this kid is just impressed. He comes from a military family. Impressed me so much that he was that accountable. Listen, the, the guys that you're seeing run a foul, that's not what wins championships, okay? There is a lot of other really good character kids that have taken Georgia to this level. And I, I, I think a few right now have hurt the program's image. But I think overall, Kirby's recruited a lot of great leaders. And I think this summer, he's going to call on those leaders to step it up at Georgia because things have got to change after these horrible, uh, horrible details have come out. Great stuff, Mike. Mike Griffith from Dog Nation um, and covering all the, the Georgia headlines, which leads right now with Jalen Carter. Great perspective. We appreciate the visit. Yeah, thanks, Mike. All right. Thank, thanks, guys. Yeah, there's uh, Mike Griffith there. Always a great visit with him. I was going to get into this with him, but, you know, I know he doesn't know what makes law enforcement make decisions when they do, but it just can't be a coincidence that these arrest warrants are issued yeah, I don't... hours before he's going to take the podium at the NFL Combine, and he turns right around and heads out of Indy back to Athens when this happens. It just seems like too crazy of a coincidence that the war warrants were issued today, right? Yes. But also I sit back and think, well, what does that benefit the Athens Police Department to do that? And I don't know that it, they would care or should care. It's just odd timing that he was going to be at the yeah. podium today. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the storyline because he's, yeah. everyone thinks he's going to speak and then he's not. He's now, again, back to it's Athens also now. not on the Athens PD to wait. You know, oh, well, let's wait until the kid's done with the combine 
and then we'll put out the warrant. They put it out when they put it out, right? It's just, it's just odd timing that it all happened today before he was set to speak. And Mike's right about uh, McClendon surviving yeah. this. There was another passenger behind him that also survived. Um, four in the vehicle total. And the, just going through and uh, going off of telephone poles. and well, then Thinking about him. hitting that wall at 80 miles per hour. After going through a couple trees as well. Uh, awful. And he's right. He's a walking miracle. Coming up to Otonga-Vailoa. And whether or not the Dolphins are going to pick up the fifth-year option on their quarterback. They seem like they're bringing him back and he's their guy, but can they be sure? We'll discuss next in Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Glad you're with us as we broadcast from 6th and Peabody in downtown Nashville with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine across the Outkick Network. Coming up in about 30 minutes, Clay Travis joins us on the show. Looking forward to that conversation. We'll dive into Jalen Carter and, and much more uh, later this afternoon. Chad, a couple of discussion points going on in Indianapolis not concerning rookies. T. Higgins is eligible for a contract extension this offseason. This rings a lot to me like A.J. Brown from a year ago because he's coming off of back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. He's had two of those. You've got a situation where he believes he's a number one guy, and you have Duke Tobin, their general manager, saying, I'm not in the business of making other teams better. If you want a wide receiver, go find your own because we want to keep the guys that we have. The problem with that is, their roster and the way their offense is built, they're going to pay Jamar Chase a year from now after year three when he's eligible. And Joe Burrow is also about to make bank. So what is T. Higgins worth to Cincinnati compared to what he will be worth to another team as a number one guy? That's a huge decision for them, and they're trying to do it one more year before they have to pay one, if not both, of the other guys. Who knows if they do it with Burrow this offseason? I do love what uh, Duke Tobin said, though, about T. Higgins and said, you know, uh, ours basically is not for sale. If you want a receiver, go find your own. Yeah, said, that's we found their problem and drafted if they need a wide receiver. Yeah, not, not our issue. Go find your own receiver. He, he's ours. You bring up the, the important questions, though, about T. Higgins and where they're going to allocate for him as a number two guy that could be a number one for someone else. Boy, it is a luxury, though, right now Yeah, to have Chase and Higgins – well, on that roster you, for Joe Burrow. Can you get Higgins to sign an extension that's more in line with a number two wideout? Again, he was about 100 yards short his rookie season. He would have had three straight 1,000-yard seasons. He had 900 yards his the first season. The answer is no. I mean, I, I don't see any way. I, I just I feel like we're past the point, especially of a young guy. I mean, if T. Higgins is nine, ten years into his career and he wanted to stick around a place he really liked to try to go right. win a Super Bowl – that maybe you know he takes less than what he could, he could get on the open market as a number one guy, but 
I just don't see any way that T. Higgins would knowingly sign on with Cincinnati for number two receiver money if he knows he's going to get number one receiver money out on the open market. And we both believe that he will. So I, I think this is heading towards he's going to be out of Cincinnati. So uh, in Miami, Tua Tungavailoa, just he's going into the final year of his rookie contract, the final guaranteed season. And then they have a fifth-year option for him in 2024 for around $23, $24 million. Their deadline to decide this is May 1st, so they've got some time to determine what they're going to do. But they have not made a decision one way or the other yet on the fifth-year option for Tua Tagovailoa. And I don't know how you pick that up based on how this season went with the head trauma, the concussions, and it took a month for him to get out of the concussion protocol at the end of the season when it was all said and done. I, I mean, just the business side of it, it's not fair to Tua with the concussion. The business side of it, I couldn't pay and guarantee him $24 million no. uh, a year from now. Isn't no answer on that or no decision on that a no decision at this point if yeah. you're Miami? I think I, so. I always just feel like the fifth-year option deal is, is kind of a no-brainer when it's, when it's exercised. And if there's ever any waffling on whether or not to pick up that option – the answer is no. I, th- I think we know our answer right now with Miami, and, it, and it's no, and it's for all the reasons that you mentioned. There's no way you could have faith, right, that because of the injury issues now with Tua, that he's your long-term guy if, if you're the Dolphins. I, I totally get it on the, their end. Uh, Chris Greer, the GM, it's not something that's going to make us afraid to do something long-term with him. He's been banged up, but he always comes back and bounces back and plays hard. Excited for his future watching him do all the work he's been doing in the offseason to prepare for 2023. Mike McDaniel, the head coach, echoed that by saying, I think it's important to recognize that we have a congruence of interests by the Dolphins and the player, and we both want him to play at a very high level for a long time for the Miami Dolphins. I think he's got to prove it for one more year. Congruence of interest. stay healthy. John Morant News next. <laughs> 